Good morning. Today, with the invocation of the War Powers Act by the President, I am declaring a state of martial law in this city. To the best of our knowledge, we are opposed by no more than 20 of the enemy. He's hiding among a population of roughly 2 million. Intelligence tells us that he is most likely Arab-speaking, between the age of 14 and 30, narrowing the target to 15,000 suspects. We can further reduce that number down to those that have been in this country less than six months. Now you have 20 hiding among 2,000. If you are one of these 20 young men, you can hide among a population of similar ethnic background. Unfortunately for you, you can only hide there. And that population in the classic immigration pattern is concentrated. Right here, in Brooklyn. We intend to seal off this borough. Then we intend to squeeze it. This is the land of opportunity, gentlemen. The opportunity to turn yourselves in. After sundown tonight, any young man fitting the profile I described who has not cooperated will be arrested and detained. There's historically nothing more corrosive to the morale of a population than policing its own citizens. But the enemy would be sadly mistaken if they were to doubt our resolve. They are now face to face with the most fearsome military machine in the history of man. And I intend to use it to be back on base in time for the playoffs. Thank you for your time. everybody, this is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event. Open up with that scene from the movie The Siege. You know what, if, if, if you feel like you're getting hit from all sides, you know, we're, uh, we've, got the, we've got these people coming in from, uh, from Haiti across the border and they're mysteriously disappearing from uh, Del Rio, Texas. We have uh, people coming in across the border from Mexico and who knows where else. And we're having people come in that we don't really know where they're coming in from. You know, they're, somehow there's people from Africa coming in. You've got uh, Afghan refugees who are coming in on flights un, un, uh, unscreened. And we're uh, hearing about the crimes that they're committing after they're here. We've been, uh, and and uh, at the same time, we're being scared to death by this COVID fear. Oh, my God. We're all going to die from COVID. You know, jobs being threatened if you don't get the jab. I think uh, federal uh, federal employees have until Sunday to get the jab or they lose their jobs. You know what? This is not going to end well. This is not going to end well. Uh, you know, my birthday was Tuesday, and my sister told me I should give myself a birthday present and get a, and get a COVID vaccine. 
And uh, and when I told her there's no way under no circumstances, under no conditions, uh, short of uh, five big giant guys holding me down at gunpoint while they stick the needle in my arm, um, she said, okay, well, I can look forward to uh, being in the hospital on a, on a ventilator. And I uh, thought that was a, a very good happy birthday. Um, you know, while all this stuff is going on, you're being you're being bombarded from all sides, and you know it's just like there's nothing there's nothing more uh, uh, no nothing more worse nothing worse than the for the morale of a society than being policed by its own uh, being having to police its own people. Um, you know that's kind of where we are right now, except for they're hitting us on so many sides you don't see it coming, but certainly you have to sense it. You have to sense it. That song was uh, Firefall, the movie So Long. Hey, you can you can blame it on whatever you want to. I just say so long. So long to the United States as we know it. So long. This is going to be, this is not going to end well, folks. And, uh, you know, and getting rid of Biden is, is just, is, is the first step. But then we have to, then we, then we have to deal with, uh, with uh, Kamala Harris. We don't, you know, we are not in a position where we have, have any good options at this point. And uh, you know what? I just I just want to uh I just want to point point some things out to you. And uh, you know, uh we had the book signing last Saturday, had a big had a big uh big turnout for that, larger than I larger than I kind of expected. And so for all of you that came out, I I really enjoyed meeting you all and signing your books and uh made me feel good that enough that so many people listen and uh and wanted to read it um one guy in particular brought up a uh a guy named James Knight came in to see us and uh we had a chance to talk and uh he was he brought up something that that a lot of people hadn't thought of and he's an IT guy and he he tells me you know when you buy when you buy antivirus for your computer and let's say the antivirus came out in June and you bought it this month in September you install it on your computer and the first thing it does is have you update it well it was only written 3 months ago but in between June and and September in between June when it got stuck into a box and or uh, got copyrighted in in uh, September when you put it on your computer more viruses have been have uh have come out and it's been updated. So you have to update that. But we're fighting this covid and we know there's new variants going on, but there's stockpiles of the of the vaccine from uh from months ago. Months ago, a year ago. I mean the the vaccine's almost a year old. So uh so there's stockpiles of it and they're still sticking the same vaccine in your arm even though the the virus apparently has new variants in it's and it's uh it's mutating um does anybody thought about that you know the fda approved approved a vaccine what did they approve what version of it what are they sticking in your arm who knows but according to my uh, sister who's who is married to a virologist um, he's a, you know, he's, he's a doctor in, uh, human physiology or, or I don't know. Uh, he does, he's, he was doing cancer research years ago. I'm not sure what he's doing, but now he's getting patents on, on some new, on some new drugs that will uh, fight some different diseases, not COVID. Um, but because, because she said, so I need to get a COVID vaccine. No way. No way. Hey, you know what? That's a reliable source. I still say no way. You know what? Uh, uh, Tony Fauci is a virologist too, 
and uh, and he can't he can't uh, he can't keep from contradicting contradicting himself from one week to the next. So uh, what do I say? Keep your ears open, keep your eyes open, and keep your brain switched on, and listen to everything, see everything, and ask yourself, does this make sense to me? So anyway, before I get into everything that's going on this week in this country, uh, or as much as I can cover in an hour, let me introduce myself. Uh, I'm Ed Hoffman, currently from Summit Funding. Next week, you're going to hear about a new company uh, that I'll be switching to. Uh, But regardless, if you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, you want to talk to someone who thinks like you and is the best at what he does. And regardless of uh, what company I'm representing, I'm the best of the best. Call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone, go to edhoffman.net and click on the link that goes to the lender that I happen to be signed up to be working with uh, at the time um, and put in the information that you got and, uh, or just call me, just call me. And uh, or shoot me an email. So send it to ed at edhoffman.net. Um, if there's any, any part of the show you want repeated, uh, also stay on edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page to listen on demand anytime. Uh, you can always hear the show on the radio, and this is the easiest way to find it whenever you want it. Uh, be sure to connect with me on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet, tweet about current events all week long. And like the show on Facebook the, at facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. Everywhere else, I'm at Big Ed Hoffman. If you want to leave a comment on the show, ed at edhoffman.net. Email me. Um, so let's talk about what's going on. Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, we got to hear the hearings on Afghanistan. Uh, Tuesday, uh, Biden's top Pentagon officials, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. This is his top Pentagon officials. <clears throat> it's sad. Uh, Chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff, Mark Milley, and Commander of the U.S. Uh, Central Command General uh, Kenneth Frank McKenzie testified on Afghanistan withdrawal before the Senate Armed Services Committee on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, House Armed Services Committee. See if I could uh, get all that stuff on without twisting, getting my tongue twisted. The bottom line for two days of testimony, Joe Biden, this is what we got. Joe Biden's a liar, both because both generals told him that they believed it would be a mistake to withdraw all, Af- all American troops from Afghanistan. General Milley, it's, it's your testimony that you recommended 2,500 troops uh, approximately stay in Afghanistan? Yes, my assessment was uh, back in the fall of 20, and it remained consistent throughout that uh, we should keep a steady state of 2,500, and it could bounce up to 3,500, maybe something like that. General McKenzie, do you share that assessment? Senator, I do share that assessment. Yeah, so I've been hearing that for months and months and months and months. But as you recall, this is completely at odds with what uh, Biden claims. On August 19th, uh, Biden told George Stephanopoulos that the generals made no such recommendations. So no one, no one told your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. Uh, the key there is uh, that I can recall. And you know what? If, if you can't recall from one month to the next on something as important as keeping people in Afghanistan, not pulling everybody out. If you can't recall that, maybe you're not competent to be the commander in chief of the, of the military of the strongest military in, in the world. I think, uh, what were you guys thinking that voted for Biden? 
Oh yeah, there weren't that many. It was just it was just a cheat, um, and I believe that. Um, but Austin, Millie, and McKenzie were uh, very careful not to go into specifics on their conversations with Biden. Here's uh, Austin uh, with a wishy-washy answer about Biden's uh, nobody told me claim. Uh, President Biden last month in an interview with George Stephanopoulos said that no military leader advised him to leave a small troop presence in Afghanistan. Did these officer and General Miller's recommendations get to the president personally? Their input was, uh, was received by the president and considered by the president, uh, for sure. Uh, in terms of what they specifically recommended, Senator, they just, as they just said, uh, they're not going to provide uh, what they recommended in confidence. Yeah, well, I think they just did. I think they just said exactly they recommended 2,500 and they shouldn't pull, pull everybody out. Um, you know, in, in, uh, in summary, in, in my, my general feeling of watching these was uh, uh, Austin is just trying to cover his butt. He's trying to not say anything specific that could pin him to the ground on lying about anything or make, or make his boss uh, look bad uh, as if he needs anybody else to make him look bad. Um, and the same thing was with, uh, with Millie, um, just covering his butt. This guy is the head of the joint chiefs. He should be, uh, he should be like the most closed lipped, um, person in the, you know, for someone to think about stuff that's, uh, classified information, he should be the, the, the tightest lipped guy in the, in the, all of the military and the, and the federal government. And that's just not the case. And now he's just trying to cover his butt and try to try to try to just try to to backpedal on everything that he said to everybody, everybody with a tape recorder or a, or a pencil. Um, uh, General McKenzie, on the other hand, seemed pretty straightforward most of the places. And we're going to find a place where he wasn't. So when asked what he thought caused the Afghan military to melt under pressure, McKenzie said it started with Trump's Doha agreement in 2020. From the relatively short-term perspective, I think the Doha agreement and the signing of the Doha agreement had a, had a really pernicious effect on the government of Afghanistan and on its military. Psychological more than anything else, but we set a date certain for when we were going to leave and when they could expect all assistance to end. So for the first time, there was something out there in front of them. I think that's an important thing. Yeah, so we set a date certain. Well, the Doha agreement was February 29th, 2020. So that was like uh, 15 months earlier, 15, 16 months earlier. Um, so as soon as that agreement got signed, if he started to see uh, a breakdown in, the, in their confidence, and he's the, head of, he's the head of the Central Command. Why wasn't that communicated to the president? Why wasn't that communicated to the defense secretary? Why wasn't that, why wasn't that, why wasn't, why wasn't, didn't anybody say anything? Of course they did, but we're not, we're not known, we're not know what, at what time, at what time do we believe what, who said, because different interviews, everything keeps going back and forth. So let's look at the Doha agreement. So I printed it out if you, if you, uh, if you look at the Doha agreement, it's only four pages long. If they took out the uh, the the sentences instead of saying the Taliban, um, where they say uh, they say 
the security of the United, uh, here's it, when they refer to the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan, which is not rec- recognized by the United States as a state and is known as the Taliban, if they took all those, all that same exact wording out, it would only be a page and a half probably. But it basically says, hey, this is the, these are the terms of what we want to do. We want to pull everybody out, but we're pulling it out uh, under the conditions that uh, the Taliban doesn't threaten the United States, that the Taliban doesn't allow anybody to come into Afghanistan like al-Qaeda and, uh, and, and threaten the United States again. It's under the conditions that they don't issue uh, visas to people to travel to the United States uh, that threaten the United States. And there's a whole bunch of little gotchas in here that say if this if this doesn't happen, if this doesn't happen, then the agreement's off. And uh, part of that is that the uh, United Nations Security Council is going to oversee um, oversee some of the uh, talks between the Taliban and the current Afghan government, which the Taliban basically just pushed off right away. So when that happened, that pushed everything out, everything out the door. So from that standpoint, the whole agreement was easily just say, hey, these are the agree- these, this is the agreement that you guys agreed to, and you're, you're not standing by it. Therefore, we don't need to stand by any of our dates. We don't need to do anything that's a, a threat to the United States, uh, the United States military, the United States allies, or anything that threatens anybody that we care about. But that just wasn't that just wasn't happened. McKenzie was also asked whether abandoning Bagram Air Base in July was a factor. General McKenzie, I think one of the reasons that the Afghan forces crumbled much quicker than we ever assessed was that we pulled most of our air cover. We took the mechanics away from the Afghan forces and we pulled out a lot of our logistics capabilities. Do you see this as underlying reasons why the Afghan forces collapsed? I think all of those reasons contributed to why they collapsed. Should it even surprise us when we take away most of our air power that they were used to having, that they would just pull the rug out from underneath them, General? Well, my position all along has been if you, if you go to zero, if you go to a state where you're not going to be able to maintain their forces on the ground, that a collapse is inevitable. I have to further say I did not see it coming as fast as it did. I thought it would be a matter of into the fall or into the winter. I did not see it happen in 11 days in August. Well, is that a big difference? Into the fall or into the winter, the fall started uh, like 30 days later than, than when it actually happened. He didn't think it was going to happen in 11 days in August. So he knew it was inevitable. Why don't you say something? Oh, wait, wait a minute. You said you did say something. And uh, Austin said he said something. And uh, Biden said no one said anything. Can you see the problem putting in a putting in a, a sprig of broccoli into the Oval Office in the United States? How that could be a problem for all of us Americans who expect the federal government to protect us from our enemies? Oh, but Trump was tweeting all the time. And here's the jaw-dropping moment. This story from McKenzie about a meeting with uh, Taliban leader Abdul Ghani Baradar, who they call... Mullah Baradar. Uh, McKenzie admitted that Baradar offered to let the U.S. take control of securing Kabul. Wait a minute. They offered to let the U.S. take control of securing Kabul, and he turned the offer down, which means he ended up putting the safe withdrawal of our people in the hands of the Taliban. 
Uh, General McKenzie, the Washington Post reported on August 28th that the Taliban offered to allow the U.S. military to take responsibility for security in Kabul. Did you meet with uh, Mullah Baradar to discuss such an offer? I met with Mullah Baradar in Doha on 15 August to pass a message to him that we were withdrawing, and if they attempted to disrupt that withdrawal, we would punish them severely for that. But did as, he as offer part, to allow you to have security over all of Kabul? Not as security. part of that conversation, he said, well, why don't you just take security for all of Kabul? That was not why I was there. That was not, that was not my instruction. And we did not have the resources to undertake that mission. Did you convey the offer, however, to the president? The offer was made in the presence of the president's special representative to Afghanistan. Do you know if the SRAP uh, conveyed it to the president? I don't know, but it was conveyed to my chain of command. So who made the, uh, the decision to turn down the Taliban offer to allow the U.S. military to secure Kabul and put the safety of our troops in the hands of the Taliban? I did not consider that to be a formal offer, and it was not the reason why I was there. So I did not pursue it. So if, you're, if someone actually made a decision, that would have been me. So we don't know if it was conveyed to the president. We don't know. I do know it was conveyed to my chain of command. Okay. So wait a minute. Well, that wasn't why we were there. So we just dis disregard anything that gets said in that meeting. Come on. Are, you, are, are we supposed to have competent people involved in this? You know, this, this reminds me of a scene from the movie The American President. What were you doing up on the hill? Anyway? Oh, I had a terrible meeting today. I totally lost my cool with McSorley, McCluskey, and Shane. You went up to see the Motown 3? I pitched in the bill. On its marriage? The woman has no fear. She'd lobby the Carolinas for the American Lung Association. It was a disaster. Well, you're in good company. I sat with them a week ago, and they said there was nothing on the president's domestic agenda they were more committed to defeating than the crime bill. Well, congratulations, fellas. You're out of the cellar, because McSorley told me that the only thing on the president's domestic agenda that they were more committed to defeating than the crime bill was the fossil fuel package. You're kidding, are you? No, I'm not kidding. It's funny that he used the same words. It yeah, the pet boys don't know too many words. I'm going to get a drink and shake this off. When I come back, I'll have some Christmas spirit. Hey. Did what I think just happen just happen? Did the GDC's political director just tell the president and the White House chief of staff that there are three votes on the crime bill that can be bought by sticking the fossil fuel package in a drawer? No. The GDC's political director didn't tell us anything. Sidney Wade told her boyfriend and her boyfriend's best friend that she had a lousy day. It doesn't change the facts, Mr. President. If Sidney gets her 24 votes and we're three votes shy, then there's some maneuvering to be done. I made a promise, AG. You made a deal, Mr. I made president. it with Sidney. You made it with the GDC. That's all academic anyway. We're not going to need those three votes. Sir. If your approval rating continues to drop, things are going to get tight. Yeah, so you know what? This is, this is what happens in real life. This is what happens in real life. Uh, the president of the United States is a human being. The vice president's a human being. His chief of staff is a human being. The, uh, the people in all these lobbying groups, they're human beings. And we have brains, and the brains are, are fed into by our eyes and our ears. And so we hear things and we see things, and our brain computes it. It's supposed to. So if he's in there to, just, to, uh, just to talk about, hey, you know, uh, we're going to pull our people out, and, the, and the, the Taliban says, hey, why don't you just take control of Kabul and the security until all your guys are out? Why didn't he hear that? He was here, there for something else to threaten them. He tells them you can have security. You can take care of that. You realize had he used his... His, uh, his ears and eyes and computed it in his brain and put it and used some common sense, there'd be 13 soldiers that are still alive today because we would have controlled 
controlled the security in Kabul. There'd be thousands of people out of Afghanistan that we wanted to, and maybe we could have actually uh, uh, vetted the people that we were taking out of there so we didn't take the bad guys with us. This is what's going on, folks. While you guys are going to the to the Dodger games and the Angel games, and uh, or let's say not you guys, let's say say half this country is going to uh, Dodgers and Angels and Rams and Raiders and uh, and being focused on that kind of stuff and the Emmys and the and American Idol and whatever else people are interested in. This stuff is really happening, and it really affects because the bad guys are coming into this country. Hey, stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, commercials, and sports. And I'll be lo- I'll be back with lots more for part two of the main event. So and welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman. I don't talk a lot about. Uh, real estate and financing on the radio. But if you need some real estate and financing, you want to talk to someone who's, who's the the best at real estate and finance that's out there and uh, thinks like you call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, dear night, toll free area code 855-640-2020 or email me at ed at edhoffman.net. Uh, more information, all that stuff to follow. Um, but if you need some help on, uh, refinancing a piece of property that you own or purchasing a piece of property you'd like to own, maybe not in California, uh, California, oh, it could be in California, but California or, uh, Arizona, Nevada, Colorado, Texas, Utah, Arkansas, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, uh, I think that's all of them. Uh, so if you want to finance anything in any of those states, call me 855-640-2020 and I'll help you out. Whether it's uh, buying, refinancing, or uh, maybe doing a reverse mortgage for those of you guys that are over 62 or one of your spouses is, um, take advantage of that excellent financing tool. So anyway, uh, let's get back. So in the first half, we were talking about um, the uh, the hearings both in the House and the Senate that was going on with uh, with uh, Lloyd Austin and Mark Milley and uh, Frank McKenzie and uh, and and the idiocy of these guys trying to cover their butts for the debacle that was the surrender of Afghanistan. Um, let's talk about. So we were just talking about what McKenzie said. How how he uh, he didn't he didn't really take notice when the Taliban said, "Why don't you guys take uh, take." the security in Kabul, you guys take care of it until everybody's out. And he didn't think that was important enough. Well, we didn't have enough people there. Well, you didn't have enough people there, but you had enough people to come back in and, and make sure when, the, when everything started going, uh, going sideways, uh, you brought in another 8,000 people. You could have brought in another 2,500, kept the security of Kabul and got all our people out safe and uh, made sure that we didn't get a, a suicide bombers that killed 13 soldiers and uh, maybe uh, not had such a debacle. And maybe if it wasn't going how you wanted it to be, leave everybody there. But that's our—that's the people he- heading our military. I'm a lone guy. I'm a lone guy and a logically thinking person. And uh, you know, it's so I'm just—I'm just being uh, critical of of them not doing their jobs. Uh, but I am not formally militarily trained. 
but I do have a logically thinking brain, as most of you do too. Um, so let's talk about Millie now. Uh, by now, we all know this guy has an agenda. He's proudly admitted to calling China and telling them he would make sure that Trump didn't attack them. That happened in October, as well as again in January, uh, before the in, before the before the the handing over of control from Trump to Biden. So on Wednesday, uh, Representative Scott Desjardins of Tennessee asked Millie this. According to Costa and Woodward, she went on to say, you know he's crazy. He's been crazy for a long time, to which they say, and I'm sure you haven't had a chance to read the book yet, Millie responded, Madam Speaker, I agree with you on everything. If you're the principal advisor to the president, and she said that to you, do you think that you were doing service to a president by agreeing with the speaker that your commander-in-chief is crazy? I actually said, I actually said, I'm not qualified to assess the mental health of the president. What I'm agreeing to is that we have to have a secure nuclear system. Okay. Let, so there's, Have there's you had any conversations with the speaker here. or any of our foreign leaders about our current president's mental capacity? We have a physician right here on the panel who was the uh, personal physician of the prior three presidents who said President Biden should take a mental competency test. And we see it in the press, his lack of ability to answer questions. Have you had any conversations with anybody concerning his ability to carry out a nuclear order or any other uh, serious engagements? No, and my answer would be the same. I'm not qualified to evaluate a president's mental health or your mental health or anybody's mental health. I'm not a doctor. But you were concerned about Trump. You said you were concerned about him when you made the calls to China. Yeah, so he's concerned. He's concerned. And of course, Nancy Pelosi thought he's crazy. And he said, I agree with agree with everything you just said. Mm, I think that's saying he agrees that Trump was crazy, but he doesn't have any concern for Biden. You know, what is crazy? Crazy. Does that mean your brain isn't wired, wired right? Does that mean uh, we should be concerned about whether he's crazy and going to drop a bomb or he's crazy? He just doesn't know where he is. Don't, don't understand. Hey, you know, hey, the, uh, the Mr. President, you're supposed to turn here. He's jogging off into the into the, the lawn of the White House, missed his turn, and just keeps going. You know what? No one has to make Biden look bad. But now, now that we know his answer, it all goes along. It all goes right along with uh, this questioning uh, that happened on uh, on Tuesday in the Senate hearing. General Milley, um, yes or no to this. Did you talk to Bob Woodard or Robert Costa for their book, Peril? Woodward, yes. Costa, no. Did you talk to Carol Leonic and Philip Rucker for their book, Alone, Can I Fix It? Yes. Did you talk to Michael Bender for his book? Book is, frankly, we did win this election, the inside story of how Trump lost. Yes. Yes. And were you accurately represented in these books? I haven't read any of the books. So I don't know. Yeah, I'd have to call BS on that. You know what? I didn't read the books. The books came out. You're you're uh, you're quoted in them. You don't open the book to see if you're quoted accurately. I have to call BS. So, uh, but obviously, we know he's quick to volunteer volunteer all information and contribute to all the anti-Trump books that are going on out there. This guy's the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He's the head of the military. And he's, he's just an open book. Just, hey, anything you want me to comment on for your book, just come on over. I'll say anything, anything you want me to say. Despite leaking info into every journalist who contacts him for their books, Millie still, still claims he's not political. 
That's why he didn't resign when uh, Biden take uh, when Biden didn't, didn't take his advice on leaving 2,500 troops in place. Senator, as a senior military officer, um, resigning is a really serious thing. It's a political act if I'm resigning in protest. He doesn't have to make those decisions uh, just because we're generals. And it would be an incredible act of political defiance for a commissioned officer to just resign because my advice is not taken. And that was actually, uh, Ron, then actually Ronnie Jackson asked him, Ronnie Jackson, who is the former uh, White House physician, who's uh, now a, a Texas uh, uh, congressman, um, he, he asked him if he's going to resign. Yesterday, Senator Cotton asked you why you haven't resigned, and you said you were not going to resign just because the president didn't take your advice. Well, I submit to you, sir, that you should resign because of your dereliction of duty to this country and your, your inability to do your job and protect this country. It has become abundantly clear that the American people have completely lost confidence in your ability to do your job. General Milley, will you now resign? I serve at the pleasure of the president, Mr. Jackson. Yeah, you know what? Uh, this guy's just—he just wants to keep his job, just wants to cover his butt, doesn't want to get in trouble for anything. Same thing with Lloyd Austin, and and I would say they all need to resign, including Frank McKenzie, for uh, missing that little uh, thing that Taliban said. Why don't you just take security under you? Why don't you guys just take care of security for Kabul till you guys are all out? This is all a bunch of, of pretty pretty uh, significant reasons to. Uh, uh, not be able to, you know, it, these are significant reasons that you should resign. You're incapable of protecting our country. These guys are military guys. These guys are the most important people in our in our country. Our government is there for two things. Protect us from our, our enemies outside our country and to enforce the laws inside our country. These guys are pretty important. But they're not paying attention. Or they just don't care. I think that's a. I think that's pretty critical. If they were running the security for a big company, uh, how long would they be there? Oh wait! But the guys who run the big companies are actually spending their own money. They're not spending taxpayer money, and they're concerned about the efficiency of their company so they can make profit for themselves and their stockholders. We don't care because all they do is just take half our half our paychecks, which is going to go up. Let's continue. So, so far, the only one who's paid a disastrous and deadly consequences of the botched Afghanistan withdrawal other than the 13 uh, dead soldiers. Uh, it's not been Joe Biden, Lloyd Austin, or General Milley. It's, it's actually Lieutenant Colonel Marine named uh, Stuart Scheller. Last month, Scheller made a Facebook video asking the questions that a lot of Americans were asking after our 13 service members were killed by ISIS-K and Taliban fighters in, in, at the Kabul airport attack. Here's a snippet where he questions the first mistake, abandoning Bagram Air Base on July 5th. If an 05 battalion commander has uh, the simplest live fire incident EO complaint, boom, fired. But we have a secretary of defense that testified to Congress in May that the Afghan National Security Force could withstand the Taliban advance. We have chairmen of Joint Chief, who the commandant is a member of that, who's supposed to advise on military policy. We have a Marine combatant commander. All of these people are supposed to advise. And I'm not saying we've got to be in, the, in Afghanistan forever, but I am saying did any of you throw your rank on the table and say, hey, it's a bad idea to evacuate Bagram Airfield, the strategic air barriers, before we evacuate everyone? Yeah, I would have to agree with that question. 
You know what? Uh, the military commanders are trained military guys. The secretary, secretary of defense is the head of the joint chiefs of staff is, is a decorated uh, military officer. Biden hasn't done anything but be in Senate for 47 years. Oh, and the vice president, uh, where he uh, used his uh, his his uh, position to extort our tax money out of other countries. Well, we're going to give you tax money, but uh, you're going to put my son in here and be the uh, head of this uh, oil and gas company. And then you're going to pay him a million dollars to be uh, uh, on the board of directors for something he knows nothing about. And then he's going to give half of it to pop, you know, hey. Uh, uh, Pop doesn't uh, take half your paycheck. So Biden's make make makes this this uh, idiotic decision, and these military guys aren't don't put their reputation on the line and their rank on the line to to uh, to to say, hey, this is a bad idea. Now, making that video was probably a bad idea as well. After this video went viral, Colonel Scheller was relieved of his position, lost a $2 million pension. That's a big pension. And, uh, and after 17 years of service to the military, he now sits in a pretrial confinement in regional brig for Marine Corps installation east aboard, east aboard Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune pending an Article 32 preliminary hearing. In other words, he's in a North Carolina military prison. He's also ordered to undergo mental health screening. Come on. He made another video in confinement released by his attorney. My name is Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. To recap my position in the fallout of Afghanistan, I demanded accountability in my senior years. And I stated then that I understood that I might lose my battalion commander seat, my retirement, and my family stability. As it has played out, I have in fact lost all three of those things. Would I do it again? I don't know. Yeah, I can't blame him for uh, not knowing if he'd do it again. Um, but I, you know, I can't blame him for asking those questions. Uh, some final thoughts from Scheller's video behind bars. And I was the only officer in the entire American coalition fired in the debacle of Afghanistan fallout. I acknowledge that I should have been fired. However, the hypocrisy of the general officers who are not being held to the same standard is a microcosm for the entire problem that is going to bring down the great institutions of this republic that we love. Yeah, Stuart Scheller, you know, I've got a question, uh, him not thinking, thinking this out before he uh, went to social media. I do agree with everything he said, but I have to, I have to say, you know what, in your position, was this, was this the right way to go about it? uh, through social media. And, uh, you know, it, there must've been, there must've been a, there must've been an easier way to get, to get his word out, maybe anonymously somehow without, you know, going on a, on a video on social media. And, uh, you know, and, and I have to wonder, you know, his, he's got wife and kids. Are they wondering the same thing? What were you thinking, Stuart? But I have to agree with everything he said. Uh, how could he salvage this? You know, he's going to end up with a uh, dishonorable discharge and lose all his uh, all his pension, all that stuff. Uh, maybe a maybe a nice, healthy book deal. Maybe uh, I'm I'm just not sure. I'm not sure that this guy was uh, the guy to be uh, making clutch decisions like that. 
and uh, putting it on social media before you think. You know, sometimes I sometimes I'm I'm mad at what's going on in uh, in my job, and I type out a nasty email, and before I click send, I say, hey, I asked one of the guys in my office, hold on, let me read this to you. Should I click send? And so, and a lot of times they go, yeah, I'd take this part out, or eh, I think, what are you trying to accomplish here? You probably should just delete it. And you know, I'm a, and I just do that. It made me feel better to type it out. Made me feel better to type it to to read it to one of my one of my cohorts in my office that is on my team, and it just made more sense to not click send because there's something permanent about an email, just like there's permanent about a something permanent about a YouTube video. You can't take it back. Just like Biden can't take back all his idiotic things he says, just like Millie and uh, and Austin and uh, McKenzie can't take back the things that they said earlier in the in the in the trials or the hearings, and then they try to say they didn't say it later. Same way that Tony Fauci can't take back what he said about masks. Ah, masks don't do anything. Oh, masks, you got to have masks. It's the only way we're going to protect ourselves. Oh, wait, you got the vaccine. You don't have to wear a mask because you've got more protection than than a mask could provide. Oh, wait a minute, you got to wear a mask. And you know what? They can't take that stuff back. And they can't take back the, the videos of themselves being in crowded rooms without their masks on after they say that. It's a it's a it's a terrible situation, but it's reality. So uh, let's talk about the uh, the the next thing that's been the height of uh, of the news: averting another government shutdown at midnight on September 30th at the end of the fiscal year has become an annual ritual on Capitol Hill. Surprise, surprise! This year is no different. Uh, this week, the Democrats pushed hard for their proposed $3.5 trillion in tax and spend budget reconciliation bill. What's in it? The same old crap that's in it every year. Every single bill is the same thing, which means before they take all our tax money, what are you going to spend it on? Social services like free universal pre-K and three months paid family leave across the board. Wait, wasn't that in the in the uh, uh, save the families uh, bill or the build back better bill? or whatever else, every other bill that's been in, you know, hey, free universal pre-K and free uh, paid leave leave across the board for everybody. Uh, billions for the word that means whatever the Democrats want it to mean, infrastructure. What's infrastructure? I don't know. According to uh, Elizabeth Warren, well, you know what, if you built a, build, built a, a company, you didn't build that because the government put in the, uh, the roads and bridges and freeways that your product got out on. Yeah, you didn't build that. Oh, you paid the taxes for it, though, to pay for it. Billions more for all their favorite climate initiatives. And uh, tucked in on page 168, a provision that the federal government will bankrupt any private company that refuses to comply with Biden's vaccine mandate. The fine that will be $700,000 payable to the U.S. Treasury for every unvaccinated worker. You know what? You know what that means? If they're going to say every every company over 100 employees, which other than the postal, uh, the post office, um, every every company over 100, which I don't know why it means if you have 100 employees or whether you have 50 employees or 25 employees, if it's really important, why would you uh, why would you make a make a why would you differentiate between a small size company and a big size company? So if you're if your people aren't vaccinated, you got to let them go. Well, if you if you let unvaccinated people work for your company, they're going to they're going to give you $700,000 fine to the US Treasury. 
Do you see where this is going, folks? I see this as the breakup of the United States because people are going to do what they got to do to survive. People, companies are going to do what they got to do to survive. And people that don't want to take the vaccine are not going to take the vaccine. And when you see tons of tons of healthcare workers walking out of their jobs because they won't take it either, what do they know that we don't know? And they're going to and if the government's going to going to try and shut down every company that that doesn't comply, this is where people will take to their guns and take to their and take to their to their knives and their rocks and their bricks and they will fight back. And this is when we'll see uh, what what chiefs of uh, of police and uh, sheriffs of our counties will say, hey, enough, we're not standing up. And governors of our states will say, no, 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 no. We're running our state and the federal government is staying out. Then there's blanket amnesty. They tried to tuck in one, one other little thing in here, blanket amnesty, to give blanket amnesty to everyone. And they're trying to take uh, the Reagan uh, bill of 1986 that said, went back 14 years, that said people that have been here since 1972, 14 years at the time, uh, and haven't, don't have a significant criminal history, can, ha- can apply for a green card. So instead of coming out with an amnesty bill, they wanted to update his bill and, and just bring it forward. Luckily, the parliamentarian of uh, Congress said you can't put something like that in a budget bill. But don't worry, everyone, because Biden and the Democrats say this $3.5 trillion is actually zero. It is zero price tag on the debt. We're paying. We're going to pay for everything we spend. This is a zero dollar bill. Of the investments that were proposed, uh, uh, including tax cuts and the pay-fors, including making the tax system more fair, Zero. It's not about a dollar amount. The dollar amount, as the president said, is zero. This bill will be paid for. Yeah, it'll be paid for. Well, think about this. The gross domestic domestic product of the country is about $22 trillion. Uh, government budget's about $6.5 trillion. Uh, since uh, Biden's been in there, they've, they've uh, passed about $6 trillion worth of uh, different aid things. So that's $12.5 trillion. And now they want to add $3.5 trillion. So that brings us to... Uh, Twelve and a half. That brings us to uh, sixteen trillion out of twenty-two, which is seventy-two percent of everything that that all the money that goes around in this country. So remember when it used to be, hey, twenty-eight percent was our top top tax bracket to pay for our government. Now we got to do seventy-two percent, and that's seventy-two percent of the whole gross domestic product. That's not just the rich people. That's everything. How's that going to trickle down to you at whatever income level you're at? It's going to. And as usual, all eyes have been on West Virginia's Joe Manchin this week. Manchin has been working for months to get Schumer to lower the Democrats' goal to $1.5 trillion, which at this point, what does even $1.5 trillion mean? We're not focused on what needs to get done. We're focused on how much dollars we can suck out of the United States Treasury, which is all of us taxpayers. Uh, Thursday, reporters swarmed him outside, uh, swarmed Manchin outside the Capitol. You know that Senator Sanders and others have this three and a half number. Have you had any conversations with anybody about how you bridge the gap between three and a half? What would you take out? Are those conversations happening between you and anyone else? No, just time. They haven't. I mean, people pretty much know where I've been all along. And, I, and I've just said this. 
If you had X amount of dollars in your paycheck and you wanted to buy something, and that what you wanted to buy was not affordable right now, you'd save up and buy it later. That's all I'm saying. That's exactly right. You can't If you can't balance your housing budget, your budget in your house, how are you going to budget the whole federal government? It should be the same thing. On Thursday afternoon, no one seemed entirely sure when the vote was going to be happening, and then uh, Jen Psaki said this. So often asked, key Democratic House leaders have said they will, quote, stay here all weekend to work to get a deal. Uh, does the president plan to do the same? Will he be at the White House working this weekend, having visitors calling and hosting congressional lawmakers? Well, uh, as Speaker Pelosi said earlier, uh, and we're following the same motto, we're taking it uh, hour by hour here uh, and making a decision and a determination about what's most needed. So um, as it relates to what's even going to happen this afternoon, uh, we're open. Uh, he's available. Uh, he's been making calls this morning. Uh, he's open to having visitors. He's open to going places. Uh, but we're going to make those decisions hour by hour. So the weekend's a little bit away. Uh, but I will tell you that uh, this is the president's top priority right now, uh, getting relief to the American people, uh, making sure we're lowering costs for the American people. We're addressing the climate crisis. We're rebuilding our roads, rails, and bridges. We've made progress, and we're still at work at it. Yeah, we're lowering the cost of the American public. Uh, that's all evidence is all evidence to the contrary as everything goes up more and more. Uh, now, what did roads, rails, and bridges have to do with that question? You know, we're addressing the climate stuff, all this stuff, and we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna focus on what's most needed. What's most needed for Biden is probably a uh, res- resignation and a ice cream cone. And he's open to taking. Que- he's open to talking to people and going places like the ice cream store. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe Delaware and hide in his basement. Hey, anyway, folks, there's lots more I didn't have time to talk about. But uh, don't worry. My name's Ed Hoffman. So I'll be back again with you next week to talk about all this stuff again. Thanks for listening to the main event. And I'll talk to you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Fund Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. California DRE ID number 1012658. Arizona MLO license number 0926439. Branch NMLS ID number 1841782. Summit Fund Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199. Arizona license number 0925837. Equal housing opportunity.